0: Uh, tonight, let's take our Bibles and turn to Romans chapter number 6, book of Romans chapter number 6. We've seen the wonderful truth of how when we placed our faith in Christ, truly believing and trusting in his death, burial, and resurrection, that was on our behalf, the Lord de- God declared us uh, righteous. He declared us to be righteous at that moment. Amen. we are justified Uh, in Christ. God's saving grace given us through what Jesus Christ did for us is a most marvelous thing and we should never get over the truth of what he did for us. It's a great thing. Amen. No matter what sins we have committed or how many sins we have committed, God's grace is greater than all our sin. And Paul realized that, as marvelous as the simple message of grace through Jesus Christ is, there might be a concern on the part of some that there might be a tendency for some to abuse the grace of God. And Paul addresses that concern in chapter number six, and we're going to look at that tonight. Let's. Uh, Let's let's begin, um, I want to go ahead and read, even though we're not going to deal with all these verses tonight, we're going to be deal, dealing with some tonight, just a couple verses, and then we'll deal with the rest of them uh, through uh, ne- next week. But the first 14 verses here, let's take a look at this. Chapter 6, verse number 1 of the book of Romans. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin, that grace may abound? Remember what he, he wrote uh, in the previous chapter that we dealt with last week, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And just like sin has reigned unto death, even grace that reigns through righteousness unto, unto eternal life. That's what, is, what shall we say then. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid! How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Uh, let me just pause right there. And some, some folks say, well, I just can't stop sinning. I got news for you. You're going to stop sinning when you die. All right. And, and we, we're dead in Christ. If we will reckon ourselves to be dead to him, we, we will. Stop. We won't practice sin. For he that is dead is free from sin. Verse 7. Verse 8. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. And in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon... Ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. While God's saving grace is free, we need to understand that it was not cheap. It is the most priceless gift God has ever, or could ever give to us, and the very thought that all of our sins, past, present, and future, are wiped away cleansed and forgiven forever is immense that's a great thought isn't it um there are those though and you have probably heard them as well as i have that cry foul some of those uh that say well that just ain't right they'll attempt to add works or law keeping to what jesus paid for in full can i tell you that that is another gospel That's what Paul was referring to in Galatians 1, uh, when he said, uh, you know, I marvel that you so soon removed from the gospel to another gospel, which is not another. (laughs) Uh, But he talked about how the gospel had been perverted by those who were trying to add the law, add works to salvation. Now, Paul verbalizes this problem of salvation by grace through faith alone Uh, in Romans 6, verse 1 and 2. Let's read that again. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Now, Paul ended chapter 5 by reminding us that the purpose of the law was to bring a sense of condemnation and an awareness of guilt. We know that the law, the law does that. You get into the law and you realize just how big a sinner that you are. But praise God, we're saved by grace. We're, we're dead to the law. Christ took it out of the way. Praise God for that. But it points its finger to all of humanity and says, You have failed, God. You are a sinner. And you stand in need of God's grace. That's what another thing it tells us. And I praise God for that. We needed God's grace, and we have God's grace through Jesus Christ. Now, in Galatians three, in chapter uh, verses twenty-three and twenty-four, Paul says that the law was a tutor to take us by the hand and lead us to Christ. That's the reason it was given, so we could be saved by grace through faith in His death, burial, and resurrection on our behalf. It's make us look at ourselves and see you can't do it. You can't do it. You are guilty. Uh, before God, uh, there's no way that you can please God in your flesh. The message of grace is clear. And that's found uh, in a later passage in Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And we who have received grace sufficient to cover every sin that we will ever commit. Amen? I when we received uh, the grace of God through Jesus Christ it was sufficient to cover all of our sins. Sin increased, and grace superabounded, and where actual transgressions increased, grace was added to this superabundance of grace. Uh, we all sin in various amounts, amen? Uh, some folks are really great sinners, and some folks may, may not be considered uh, very bad sinners, but we're all sinners, amen? And before God, we're all guilty, just guilty Guilty as sin, right? Guilty with sin, Amen. Uh, but but uh, where sin abounds, g- g- God's grace superabounds. You can't out sin God's grace. Now, uh, A. T. Robertson uh, said this. He's a great theologian. He said uh, the flood of grace surpassed the flood of sin, uh, great as that was and is. The flood of grace surpassed the flood of sin. Great as that was and is. Uh, Now, we have a new standing before God. He has pronounced us justified, set free, forgiven. Uh, And let's never forget that it's because of what Jesus Christ did in our place on the cross as our substitute. The blood of Jesus cleanses us of every sin because of his death we have been set free. We sang, sang about that in the night. I mean, I, I tried to pick out songs. I do I do pick out the songs. I tried to pick out songs that, that go with what we're taking a look at. And uh, God takes us in our state of sin and by his sovereign act declares the believing sinner righteous in his sight. But it's the you know the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us of every sin because of His death is that we've been set free. It's a judicial pronouncement that God makes based on Christ's righteousness and His substitutionary death on our behalf. It's God's gift. It's absolutely free. We don't give. Uh, we we can't uh, buy it. We can't uh, we can't deserve it. That's why it's grace. It's un- unmerited favor. And Christ paid for it, and then all we can do is believe and freely accept it as our own. Praise God, uh, because we could not deserve it. Amen? Could not deserve it. Now, folks want to find fault with this because of what they think that it means. They're all the time coming against us that believe uh, in uh, that you know, once saved, always saved, right? We, we do believe that here. Uh, we believe that once, once you're saved by grace, uh, you're headed to heaven. And nothing's going to keep you from, from going there. Now, let's see the problem defined there in verse number one. Uh, he, he's asking the question, what shall we say then? And to the, in, in response to uh, what he's previously said, he says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And that's the, the, the name of the message here. Shall we continue in sin? Shall we continue in sin? Now, if if what we have just stated about grace and salvation in Christ is true, and it is, amen, it's all true, then what prevents a believer from living an irresponsible life of sin? That's a good question, isn't it? Paul verbalizes it this way, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The tense indicates the practice of sin as a habit. We're not to practice sin, are we? We're not to practice sin. We know that we still sin, but we ought not to want sin. Amen. We ought we ought to not practice sin. It ought to be uh, that we uh, realize our position in Christ, and yet we embrace that we want to to live that resurrected life in Christ. Understand that some folks feel that this teaching that we are saved by grace and that God has completely dealt with our sins might cause some to continue to sin so that grace might abound or be in abundance. See, the idea is this well, if, if uh, where sin abounds, grace more abounds, and the more I sin, the more grace there is. So, you know, God, God gets more glory out of, out of forgiving me out of, uh, of more things. That's a, that's a silly attitude to take. Amen? The attitude of let's send it up. After all, if, if we're already forgiven, it really doesn't matter. God will forgive us anyway. Uh, besides, it, it gives grace more of a chance to operate in our life because the, the more we sin, the more grace we get. Grace will increase as we sin more. Uh, again, that is a mindset that is abusing grace. That's not a godly attitude. An individual with that mindset should really question whether they've truly been saved by God. I mean, you ought you to really wonder. We can almost hear the legalists, though, arguing, arguing with Paul, what's saved, always saved, leads to lawlessness, they would say. You preachers of this salvation by grace through faith weaken folks' sense of moral responsibility, and you only encourage sinful behavior with that kind of teaching. Well, it would seem so, wouldn't it? But it's not so. It's always the risk of preaching salvation by grace that somebody misunderstands Another theologian, Dr. D.M. Lloyd-Jones, wrote a number of years ago a candid observation. He said this, and I quote him, he says, There is no better test as to whether a man is really preaching the New Testament gospel of salvation than this, that some people might misunderstand it and misinterpret it to mean that it really amounts to this, that because you're saved by grace alone, it does not matter at all what you do. You can go on sinning as much as you like because it will redound all the more to the glory of grace. And he said, you know, that's not the case. <laughs> we know that's not the case. So we see the problem defined, but we see Paul's answer to grace abusers there in verse number two. The words, God forbid. <laughs> How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? let uh, Paul answers the question: Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? With that, God forbid. That God forbid means never by no means. May that may that be far from us. Don't don't entertain that thought. Okay, that's pretty much what it means. Individuals who actually think that God's pardon gives them liberty to sin without consequences are irresponsible. I want you to listen to me closely. Um, the freedom that we have in, in Christ is not a freedom to do anything we want to do, okay? But rather, it is a freedom to be everything God wants us to be. I'm, I'm going to read that again, okay? Because it's very important that you grab hold of that. The freedom we have in Christ is not a freedom to do anything we want to do, but rather it is a freedom to be everything God wants us to be. We are finally free to live a life pleasing to the Lord. Before we got saved, we couldn't please the Lord. Nothing you could do could please the Lord. Your best shot at trying to be righteous was nothing like, but just a bunch of filthy rags. <laughs> it was no good. God was not impressed at all. You know what God's impressed with? Only His Son. And when we are in His Son, in Christ, he sees His Son. Amen. And if you want to live a life pleasing to the Lord, then you're going to have to live a life that uh, reflects the Lord Jesus Christ. We could do nothing to please the Lord before salvation. And Paul wrote to the Galatian believers reminding them of that that they had been set free. Now listen to what he told them in Galatians 5, and verse number 1. He says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Uh, Galatians five thirteen he says, For brethren ye have been called unto liberty only, use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. So what Paul's talking about with liberty is not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, but being free to please the Lord in our lives. Paul says here in our text that that we who are in Christ are dead to sin. Dead to sin. It it is a fact that we died to sin. How so? I mean, look at verse number three. It says, Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? (laughs) Uh, How how did that take place? Uh, If we are dead to sin, and we are, how shall we live any longer therein? You ever ever seen a dead man sin? Not going to do it, is it? Just not. Remember, we are legally dead with regard to sin. Legally dead Uh, with regard to sin. Sin gave us the death penalty. Don't forget that. Romans 6.23 applies to us. It does. Wages of sin is death. What's the difference? Jesus took our death. Okay, he paid for he paid the penalty that was ours. Jesus paid our death penalty on the cross. When we believed the gospel, his death on the cross became our death. And that's what he. That's why he's uh, getting trying to get them to understand here. Know ye not that so many of us that were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Um. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, For he, speaking of God, hath made him, speaking of Christ, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Okay? Um, he took our sin, we take his righteousness. Amen? What a, what a blessed thought. And what a wonderful thing. This death is... Past tense, meaning it is a once and for all death. I mean, death is death, right? Uh, it is, it is uh, death in a judicial sense. So we see the problem defined. We see Paul's answer to grace abusers. Let's understand this new position in Christ there in verse 3 and verse 4. We've read verse 3 a couple of times. Let's read verse 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father even so we also should walk in newness of life now let's understand our position in Christ is beautifully illustrated in believers baptism amen it just really is Uh, baptism we know is one of the two uh, ordinances that were given to the church uh, that we're to practice until he comes again baptism is symbolic Uh, so is the Lord's table uh, they are both have symbolism in them. Uh, uh, baptism it really is a, a type of memorial too. And you remember what Christ did for you and, and how you are identifying in him. But by, let's just think of baptism tonight strictly. Uh, by its performance, we call to mind what Christ did for us and it helps us understand our new identification with him. When a believer descends into the water, And when I baptize here, uh, I always say uh, in obedience to the divine command of our Lord and Savior Savior Jesus Christ and upon your profession of faith in Him, I baptize you and call name in the name of the Father and of the Son and Holy Ghost. And I say buried with Him in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. Uh, let's, Let's think about that for a minute. When a believer descends into the water, the water closes in over his head. And it's like being buried when you die. When you come up out of the water, it's like rising up from the grave. Baptism is a picture of dying, being buried, and rising again. Uh, it's a picture of what Christ did for us. He died. He was buried. He arose. And the believer is saying, he died to a one, one kind of life. I'm dying to my old flesh. I died in Christ. And I've been given that new life. I'm arising to another kind. I died to the old life of sin in Christ, and I'm arising to the new life in Christ. Amen? That's what it's saying. Baptism is a public testimony. It's a profession uh, or proclamation of a believer's new inward relationship with Christ. The, The inward union takes place before the act of baptism. They're saved when the moment they trust Christ, they're saved. Then we show them uh, through baptism they are able to give a public profession, saying, "Look, you know, I'm a, I'm identifying with Christ." That's what baptism does. We, I, we teach folks before they get into to the pulpit, what it, uh, into the baptism waters, what this baptism, what it represents, what it what does it mean. I want them to understand it. The word translated into. There in both verse 3 and 4 denotes an inward union or identification. He says, There, know you not that so many of us as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death. We are were, we were identified, we we're unified with Christ in that his death. Uh, therefore, we are bab- buried with him by baptism into death. There's the word into again that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now, uh, even the word "baptized" primarily means identification. It means identification, to identify with, to be dipped, to be immersed, be overwhelmed with. Any, any of those, all of those definitions uh, uh, that you can get from the word baptize. It is a word used... To describe uh, dipping a garment into dye. And I want you to get this as a beautiful illustration, okay? When you dip a garment into, into dye and change the identity of the cloth to that of the dye, okay? If I dip a white shirt into a bowl of red dye, it becomes identified as a red shirt, right? It does. Uh, It's no longer a white shirt. Uh, We do not refer to any longer as a white shirt, do we? Once it's died, after being dipped, it has a new identity. It is a red shirt. When we're dipped into Christ, our identity changes. Amen. We're no longer what we used to be. We are identified with him. Baptism points to two things. First of all, to, to Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, uh, there in verse 3 and 4 that we just read, and to our death to sin, burial of the old life, and our new life in Christ. Look at uh, verse 5, 6, and 7. It says, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection." Knowing that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. We shouldn't practice sin. Amen? That should not be what we follow. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Um, Now, I want us to understand that we're going to come back, and I hope that you'll take... And, and uh, this week, read verses 1 through 14 every day. Okay? Come, come to this passage to read verses 1 through 14. When we come back, we'll, we'll ballo- uh, get the balance of these verses. Uh, I, tr- I tried to put the division right there in the middle. It was too much to handle in one night. Uh, because we really need to grab hold of our identification or our position with Christ and what that means for us in our daily living. It is not living in sin because we're dead to sin when we're in Christ. Uh, It is living in the new life that we have in Christ because we're not only partakers of his death, but we're, as we will see next week, we are partakers of his resurrection. We identify in it all. We identify in his death, burial, and resurrection. Now, what I want to leave you with, turn to Psalm 19. Psalm 19 in the Old Testament here, and let's we see a prayer of David in within this uh, uh, chapter within the psalm, and he and he says he says in verse 12, "Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults." Now, here's what I want you to get right here. Verse 13. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. That's what we're talking about. You're presuming on the grace of God. Okay? Oh, you know, I, all my sins are covered. I'm, you know, uh, sin can't hurt me anymore because I, I'm saved by grace. You know, you're saved by grace, but we can't sin presumptuously. We should not. He says keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Now the word presumptuous is talking about willful sins. It's talking about knowingly and purposely violating the commands of God and committing sin. Now I want us to understand. Uh, that you take a look at their, uh, uh we, We're familiar with First John one nine. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we know that that's there, right? But how many? I'm, I'm, I'm not asking, looking for. I'm not looking for hands, okay? Um, I, because I know the answer in my own life. Have you ever gotten to the point in your life and there was something that you did, you said, well, you know, I can, I can do this and I can come back and ask the Lord to forgive me my sin I'll be, and everything will be okay. Well, He will forgive us. But what we forget is that there's always consequences to sin. Okay? And we can choose to sin, but we cannot choose the consequences. How many times have I said that in the last 14 and a half years? A lot, right? Because... We need to understand that. We need to grab hold of that. And we don't need to forget that. And that's, that's basically what Paul is getting to here in Romans chapter 6. We, we, we're not to sin presumptuous sins because we're dead to sin and we're alive unto Christ. We ought to live a life that is pleasing to Christ. One that, is, um, that shows that we are identified with Christ. Amen? If you're identified with Christ, uh, it ought to be evident. Just like uh, the shirt, white shirt, and dipped in the red dye, it's very evident that it's been in the red dye. And when when we uh, are saved, it ought to be evident that we have been with Christ. Amen. We've been dipped in his death, in his burial, and we've been in his resurrection. Amen. Identified in it all. Okay. So that's a good place to drive up a stake. And come back next time and wrap this up. But let me encourage you again, please read verses 1 through 14 through every day. And I want you to think about what we said tonight, okay? And let's uh, keep ourselves back from presumptuous sins. Amen? Amen. Well, let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your great love for us. And Lord, we we thank you for the cleansing uh, from sin that we all received uh, at the point of salvation. What a blessing that is. But Lord, we also took on new life, your life. And Lord, it ought to be evident in our lives that uh, we have taken on that life. And Lord, uh, uh, help us to live according to our identification with Christ. Not living in sin because we're dead to sin in Christ, but living in the new life that we have in Christ because we're not only partakers of His death, but we're partakers of His resurrection. May David's prayer be our prayer. Keep us back from presumptuous sins. Don't let presumptuous sins have dominion over us. Lord, help us to see that to sin willfully and knowingly and purposely is, is inviting the chastisement of the Lord. Yes, we're not going to go to, to hell uh, uh, being believers, but we can do great harm to those around us. We can do great harm to ourselves. It's presuming on the grace and forgiveness of God. Lord, help us not uh, talk ourselves into thinking that we can confess our sins. And everything's going to be okay. Help us to always realize sin has consequences. And Lord, help us to choose wisely. To choose your way, Lord, and walk your way. Because of the laws of sowing and reaping still come into play. If we, if we sow badly, we're going to reap badly. Help us with these truths, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.